You are listening to a paid commercial program. The opinions expressed are solely those of the program producer or sponsor and not those of NRG Media LLC. If you like your doctor, you can keep your doctor. If you like your private health insurance plan, you can keep your plan, period. If you are among the hundreds of millions of Americans who already have health insurance through your job, or Medicare, or Medicaid, or the VA, nothing in this plan will require you or your employer to change the coverage of the doctor you have. But we have to pass the bill so that you can uh, find out what is in it. Find out what is in it. This is America's Healthcare Challenge on News Talk 1290, News Talk 1290KOIL.com, and the News Talk 1290 mobile app. America's Healthcare Challenge is produced and sponsored by E.D. Bellis. Now, here's your host, Sean McGuire. Coming to you live from the American heartland, this is America's Healthcare Challenge. Hope you're having a great week. Sean McGuire here talking about uh, all of the latest things, and I'm super excited about our program here today because it's the first of a series that we're going to be bringing to you, the listening audience, here to help you make some big decisions that are coming in the fall as it relates to your wallet in particular. And that is because of rising health insurance premiums and open enrollment just coming up right around the corner. And we've got some fantastic guests here on the program to help get us through uh, the maze that is coming. Uh, joined this week uh, by Brian Munderlow here on the program. Brian, how you doing? Brian's going to be riding shotgun with me here in the studio, and Stuart's going to be joining us from uh, the sunny state of Florida. How you doing today, Brian? Great to be here, Sean. Great to be here. Should have walked here. It's beautiful outside, so if you can get outside and listen while you walk, I think that would be a great opportunity. We're going to be talking about some wellness today, so that's uh, that's prefacing uh, a little bit uh a little bit up to come. So, Stuart, how you doing today? Terrific. Great. So glad to have you here. Uh, today's going to be a, a program called uh, Tools to Use in Selecting a Benefit Plan from the Choices that Will Be Offered to Me in 2017. And I'd like to just preface the conversation, gentlemen, uh, with the news that came out this week uh, from Anthem or from Aetna, which is the third largest insurer in the country. Uh, releasing that they lost $300 million a year on their Affordable Care Act or Obamacare block of business, and they are having a serious evaluation on what the future is for that and them in that part of their business. And, Stuart, I wanted to uh, get your reaction to that before we um, dive into these things because I think that really sets the stage for, for these decisions for people that we talked about the last time we spoke and that, there's going to be some less choice in the marketplace, and that's why we wanted to bring in these tools here today. Yeah, <clears throat> I think that's a, a very good point. Uh, however, yesterday, the Justice Department indicated that of the two pending lawsuits against them by the insurance companies that want to join together, they're going to allow one to go forward because the one uh, between uh, Aetna and Cigna if they don't uh, have at least a hearing on it, that deal is completely off the table as of January 1. So the Justice Department is going to allow one of the two lawsuits that was stopped a couple of weeks ago to move forward. Mm, wow, that's that's really big developing developing news, uh, mm-hmm. Stuart. Um, uh, let's lead off with some wellness benefits. And, and Brian's got some, uh, some information that he's going to chime in with uh, as well. He found uh, some kind of 
uh, interesting solutions that people might not have thought of. Uh, but Stuart, why are wellness things so important? What's the value uh, to the to the person that's uh, out there listening as they're driving around or working in the yard? And uh, how can they use these wellness benefits long term? Well, <clears throat> the wellness benefits from an employer's perspective uh, can really produce health uh, savings. Uh, the understanding is that again, if if this is is made broader to the audience, uh, then the audience will go ahead and make the changes that are necessary. For example, simple things like just going ahead and get a, a biometric screening, you know, going to see your your physician once a year, and having a wellness program actually pay for that, or have a reduction in cost, is a major development. The other thing is is having physical and dental exams. Uh, having a weight loss uh, program, disease management program, uh, possibly active gym participation, and also smoking uh, smoking cessation. Uh, these obviously vary from employer to employer, uh, but also the ACA has allowed monetary provisions uh, to incentivize employees to go ahead and take and you know make use of those programs. Uh, it helps the employees, helps the employers. Uh, only 46% of employers, uh, you know, have actually measured what their wellness programs have returned. But 68% moving forward this year have indicated they're going to put together a robust uh, wellness program. So the handwriting is on the wall. With the increases that are coming, this is one of the tools that employers can provide to make sure that their employees are, have access to healthier ways of doing things uh, and also uh, possibly be a healthier uh, population. I, I agree, Stuart. I agree. And um, I was just curious if you had any information on of that 43% uh, that are measuring uh, the success, you know, how successful is it for those folks that are employing these well, programs? Well, again, it's been very successful. But again, you know, it's 46% of large employers. Uh, you know, that's not saying very much in terms of small employers who either are not billing those programs uh, into their, the plans they're offering. And we're talking about both on and off the Obamacare exchanges. So they may not have the financial wherewithal, you know, to to pack those into their benefits offering. But more and more of them will uh, for the simple reason is they want to attract and retain healthier employees. Right. Yeah, just to add a little bit, you know, small versus large employers and, and has wellness fit in uh, for the small employer? Because uh, what, where the small employer kind of falls behind is they don't have access to the same data that large companies can have. Of course, it's all, you know, protected uh, for employee privacy, but carriers won't even release aggregated reports on the small group market. Uh, what what prescriptions are employees taking? What are some of the common insurance you know, codes that, 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 that they're using, even things like uh, Im- like reasons for emergency room visits and, and other ways that wellness can really uh, empower an employer to, to target and to measure that, uh, that reduction or that cost savings from a small employer perspective. It's a little bit harder, but things are changing. Of course, we're seeing a lot more small employers look into some uh, kind of self-funded or alternative funded uh, plans, and that does not only does that get you out of some of the under the the community rating, but even maybe even more substantial is it gives a smaller employer access to the data and the levers to pull, so they can say, "Hey, look, I have 
10% of my employees on this medication for diabetes. Maybe diabetes should be something that I focus on mm. or high blood pressure or, or whatnot. And so that, that's just, there's, there, there is, uh, there, it's harder for a smaller, smaller employer when they're looking at benefits. And so when I'm uh, consulting with them, uh, sometimes you got to focus on more productivity, more, you know, how are your employees stressed out, right? If you look at it, most uh, employees are stressed out. They're not use, even using their vacation days, uh, and things like that to de-stress. And so wellness speaks both to uh, saving money on health care costs, but it also uh, equates to productivity. It, you know, then that's going to be you know, employees that are focused on their jobs. Uh, and there's many different ways that employers can do that. And so I would encourage any employer, no matter if you can see the data or not, uh, that there are things that you can be doing uh, right now, simple things, um, that you know, come come across your desk every day that you can you can uh, you can hold on to. I know that there's uh, you know that there seems to be a a, a a run for kind of any any sort of sickness, and so maybe you have an employee that uh, has had a, a relative or a family member with uh, you know with uh, I'm thinking about running for my father in the prostate cancer run, right? So that that's something where that can be championed, and you can champion that for your employees and kind of kind of broaden the mindset. Right, right. Anything else to add, Stuart, on, on the wellness front? Yeah, his points are well taken. I, I, I think I would focus in on the generation groups within right. that employer. Right. <clears throat> so that, you know, it's one thing to look at large versus small. We know that small employers don't have access to the data, uh, not only from an employer standpoint, but also uh, from a state standpoint. Uh, you know, you can fight a carrier in terms of releasing claims experience, which they won't do, on their 100 lives, and they will fight you tooth and nail. So his point in terms of looking at the population of a particular employer, particularly the small employer, there are things that can be done in the wellness area which really will help the employees as well as that employer. Right, right. Absolutely. And uh, to kind of play off that, you know, as far as the different uh, segments, that we talk about millennials a lot and how do you engage millennials. And I, I just read an article, and I'll just share, share one thing for you to be thinking about if you're an employer with millennials who's thinking, how am I going to do a benefit plan? Uh, basically, they say there's an app for that. Okay, so if you have a, a millennial, uh, they, they say you need to be legit, you need to be uh, keep it simple, and there's an app for that. And so um, if you're interested in, in hearing more about that article, I could share it. But uh, there, there are vast differences between uh, wellness for someone who's you know, 50 or 60 to someone who's, you know, 30 or 20, and their motivations are vastly different as well. And so that's well stated, Stuart, to look at uh, your employees in terms of the, the generational uh, differences in how they approach a wellness program, because you're going to have to engage uh, them differently. Right, right. Exactly. Hey, let's uh, let's take a time out, uh, guys, here on America's Healthcare Challenge with Stuart Sloan, and he's the president of SIG Consulting. And Brian Munderlow, uh, employee benefit consultant at Garvey and Associates, and me, Sean McGuire, here on America's Healthcare Challenge, we're we're helping you make your um, uh, make you aware of these difficult decisions that both uh, employers, uh, large and small, are going to be facing, and then you, as an individual, uh, are going to be facing as uh, as these changes uh, really come in a very very volatile 2017. That is coming down the road. Coming up a little bit later, we're going to be talking about some telemedicine opportunities. We're going to be talking about uh, how do you afford to keep your doctor, uh, a really important thing. And uh, some more things uh, as related to HMOs versus EPOs, which is the best one and how do you navigate that. 
We'll be talking about all of those things here uh, coming up next. At any point, if you would like to call in with your questions, 402-342-1290 or 1-800-577-1290. We'll be back right after this. This is News Talk 1290. Omaha's stimulating conversation. Over 90 years of Omaha Radio. Research shows moving is one of the most stressful events in a person's life. But thanks to two men in a truck, it doesn't have to be. They have everything you need to move. A courteous professional staff who will customize your move, which includes a no-obligation estimate, a schedule to fit your convenience, and all the necessary packing supplies. And two men in a truck will help you watch your budget, too. Don't stress. Let two men in a truck handle your home or business move. Go to twomenandatruck.com. Two men in a truck selected Best of Omaha for nine years straight with an A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau. Now that you've heard of Sean McGuire and HealthReformExplained.com, maybe it's time for his team to assess your company's situation. We have innovative strategies to help navigate this new maze created by the Affordable Care Act. For more, go to HealthReformExplained.com. You are listening to America's Healthcare Challenge on News Talk 1290, News Talk 1290KOIL.com, and the News Talk 1290 mobile app. Once again, here's Sean McGuire. Welcome back to America's Healthcare Challenge. Uh, for this segment and others, we're going to be uh, writing a comprehensive article on healthreformexplained.com. Healthreformexplained.com is the show's blog and website uh, where you can see uh, this interview and others as well as our commentary uh, in addition to what we're talking about here on the program. And we're joined here uh, again by Stuart Sloan, president of SIG Consulting, and Brian Munderlow, uh, running shotgun here with me here in Omaha as we talk about uh, the the theme for this week on tools and selecting your benefit plan from the choices that will be offered in 2017 because it's clearly going to be uh, less choice out in the marketplace and that's why we wanted to make you aware of some of your alternative options and uh, next up on our list Stuart uh, and I know Brian has a lot of experience in this as well is telemedicine which is something that's really been emerging uh, quite a bit in the last five years and uh, especially now that everybody has smartphones and I swear I see people walking all over with uh, Pokemon Go they're just completely addicted to those things and so why not be able to maybe get some some healthcare services through your smartphone and other things and so uh, Stuart I'm going to begin with you uh, telemedicine is transitioning healthcare. Um, why do you think it is of value to, to somebody to consider this? Well, <clears throat> the, the short answer is that it's finally here, uh, it's finally, and it's finally living up to its potential. And it's being driven by faster internet connections. You know, you just mentioned smartphones, changing insurance standards, turning electronic communication, uh, and, and upending really the general, uh, you know, healthcare delivery. Uh, doctors are linking up with patients by phone, email, webcam. They're also consulting uh, with each other electronically. Uh, patients are using new devices to relay their blood pressure, heart rate, other vital signs to their doctors so they can manage uh, chronic conditions at home. Telemedicine <clears throat> also allows for better care in places where medical expertise is really hard to come by. Uh, just an example, doctors without borders relays questions about tough cases from its physicians to its network of 280 experts around the world and back again via the internet. In the woods outside of St. Louis, shifts of doctors and nurses work around the clock 
uh, at a new virtual care center, a hospital without beds that provides remote support for intensive care units, emergency rooms, and other programs uh, in 38 locations. Uh, More than 15 million Americans received some kind of medical care remotely last year, according to the American Telemetry Association. So it's here, uh, it's vital, it's working. And, uh, you know, after, um, you know, you have some comments here, I'm sure I'll share with you what's actually uh, involved in this. I'll, I'll talk about the pieces. Yeah, telemedicine, Sean, it's, it's time has come, not just because of technology, but because of out-of-pocket costs. Right. Employers exactly. have shifted to plans that don't have doctor visit copays. Uh, they've, they've switched to plans that don't allow first-dollar coverage. Uh, so uh, just a, a personal story uh, as a father. Uh, let's say hi to my son, Micah, and Jonathan, uh, and Julia, my baby at home. I promised I'd do that, and since I'm going to share a story about them, I guess I can. Uh, my wife uh, one day looked at my son Micah, looked at his eyes, and, and one of his eyes was red. And uh, she's a pretty uh, smart person in, in terms of you know being the, the nurse of our family. And she says, it's pink eye. Uh, so she, we had uh, telemedicine. Uh, so she took a picture of the good eye and the pink eye and sent it to the doctor. Uh, and then uh, because we had uh, telemedicine, she just forwarded that email. The doctor looks at, the, uh, looks at, at his eyes and says, yeah, it's pink eye. Uh, I'll call on a prescription. Uh, I went to the store uh, right afterwards, and we had uh, the, the medication in my son's eye in less than a half hour from the moment uh, that we noticed uh, any symptoms. And by the next day, it was 75% gone. Uh, and in three days, it was like, I guess we should use up the rest of the medication. So telemedicine has a tremendous ability uh, to save costs uh, for the convenience factor. And then, then also, yeah, like Sean said, or like Stuart said, provide better care uh, because you know you'd have to go to the doctors. And, and another story that my uh, that Pat Garvey says is he he got pink eye at the doctor's office by flipping through the magazine. So you know you also have issues like that. Um, so uh, you find that telemedicine is being built into some plans uh, on the group market, uh, but if it's not. Uh, I think it's worthwhile for any employer or even you as an individual uh, to look into getting some sort of telemedicine plan. It, there's, there's all sorts of different plans. Some are fixed costs, some are per uh, per call costs and, and things like that. Actually pretty affordable for what, what you get. Tremendously affordable. Yeah, uh, very there, much so. Yeah, there's a there's a few uh, there's one company uh, in town that I'll that'll, that'll uh, give a shout out, and that's Convenient Care Plus. That's who we used, um, and yeah, that's as low as nineteen dollars a month. Uh, to start off with, and uh, you pay a, a small fee if you do go into the office because uh, it has a primary care built in, actually, not not primary, but uh, uh, ur- emergent, urgent care uh, and uh, and things like that built into it. So um, there's lots out there. Uh, it's 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 here to stay. Um, and a Stuart has uh, talked a little bit about uh, even some of the more exciting things about it, and that is it's going to allow a doctor to be in a hospital room with someone without being in there and getting that specialist care uh, without having to travel uh, is, is huge. So there's, there's so many ways that it can be used, and um, I'm really excited to see where it goes. Yeah, I'd, if I, I'd only add that uh, Stuart's point on um, how it's really able to, to help underserved areas, uh, which uh, in particular uh, states in the West, states like Nebraska and others, many, many uh, shortage of health care providers in those uh, areas and in particular shortage of specialist 
providers. And so this is uh, something that that can help solve that problem. Stuart, uh, anything I'll to add? I'll share a personal story of my own. Uh, if it weren't for telemedicine, my fiance wouldn't be here. Um, <clears throat> we had an accident at the house. She passed out. Uh, her eyeballs were rolling. And besides calling emergency, called the doctor. And um, uh, within 12 minutes, we're at the emergency, but also the doctor was there. <clears throat> you know, and and uh, she had gotten the message uh, from our cell phone, and she made it to to the hospital, diagnosed uh, the condition, and virtually saved my fiance. So, that's a personal story, but I think on a larger scale, awesome. I think you look at what the value that it brings. Uh, you're talking about twenty four seven unlimited doctor access, prescription savings, uh, shop and and uh, price procedures. Uh, sync with their medical benefits, locate providers. Uh, also, they have health management content. It is such a useful tool for all of these items. It, it's one of the things that most of the medical plans, uh, particularly in the large employer marketplace, but also many of the small employer uh, groups around the country, you're going to see more and more of that this year. Again, one, it's a convenient factor. Second of all, uh, you know, the choice is to go to an emergency room, you know, from, from between and sit there for between two and four hours or having a diagnosis over the phone. And people who can't leave work or they can't leave home or because of their job responsibilities, this is a tremendous benefit to have. And I've seen it priced in the marketplace anywhere uh, from, from $5 on the low end up to $9 on the high end on a group basis. So, yeah, the cost is low and coming down. Uh, the benefits are increasing. It's going to be very dynamic as a deliverable benefit in 2017. Yeah, and employers really do need to, to look into this from a cost standpoint, too. Uh, having a telemedicine consult is, uh, you know, a, sometimes a third or, or less expensive than, than a doctor visit copay. Uh, and there's lots of doctors out there. They're, they're good doctors. They're NCQA qualified doctors. So you don't have to worry about, you know, calling and, and getting a doctor in India. Um, when I when I call in, I get uh, the last few times I've gotten doctor book from a cook. Uh, so uh, they're, they're good doctors, local doctors licensed in, in the state where the uh, where the caller is is calling from. Uh, and that's that's a that's a requirement. Um, and like I was saying, as far as a cost perspective, if you can avoid one emergency room visit for uh, like a migraine or, or one emergency room visit for, you know, infection or, or something like that, um, it's going to almost pay for the entire plan for the year. Uh, not to mention just the everyday occurrences that, that can be taken care of and cost uh, is saved on the, the medical cost, cost is saved on time off, productivity, um, and employees actually see it as a benefit, even though it's saving. It's hard to find something that's a win-win where the employer can save money and the employees think, oh, wow, this is awesome. Um, but that's what happens with telemedicine once, once people start to use it, is that it's, it's seen as an upgrade, even though it, it saves money. So it's a win-win, um, and employers need to look at it. And I'd, I'd, uh, back what Stuart said is um, there, there's many different types, and you want one that, that has all the, the built-in stuff, uh, uh, integrating with your health plan, uh, being able to, to review your, your medical records and things like that. So you need to talk with a consultant that knows all the different kinds of options out there uh, rather than just you know putting one on the table uh, to really talk to you about what you need and, how, and what would best fit with your business or with you as an individual. 
And with what I might bet is that in some of these plans that people are going to be selecting this year, you know, there's deductibles and coinsurance. With a telemedicine uh, benefit, uh, one of the values there is not only do they get board-certified uh, doctors, uh, generally around the country, depending upon which facility you use, but also the telemedicine visit itself, there's no charge versus a charge to the medical plan itself. So these are into, uh, uh, you know, wound uh, benefit features that are really important to the patient. Wow. Wow. That, that's a that's a great point, Stuart. And um, we're, we're talking about uh, these strategies and it kind of takes us into our, our next, you know, part of the conversation that we've we've got put together and that, um, you know, can I afford to keep my doctor, Stuart? Um, the president uh, uh, famously said, if you like your plan, you can keep your plan. If you like your doctor, you can keep your doctor. Um, <laughs> had to throw that out there because it's um it's kind of problematic for some folks. Your your thoughts on that subject, Stuart? Well, <clears throat> for most people, if you look at the large majority of where people get their benefits, uh, it's in the group marketplace, whether it's in the large employer marketplace, small group employer marketplace. And employers have chosen the plans that they've selected, uh, either one plan or, or several plan choices, so that the, the employee has a choice of where he wants to go. Um, this year, customers are, are facing steep rate increases, and they're going to be forced to make a different, you know, difficult choices. Do I pay a higher price to keep the plan that I had last year and the doctors, or switch plans to save money but risk losing the doctor? And, you know, that's a major decision they're going to have to make, and it's all guided by the bottom line. And, you know, the rate hikes are going to, you know, dictate uh, whether you have a relationship with a doctor, uh, what are you willing to do to, to keep that value, or are you going to be forced to change and have to handle the differential in terms of out-of-pocket costs yourself? That's a major, major decision uh, moving forward. Most benefit plans are, are flexible, and they encourage consumers to assess their options and make these choices, but this is a bottom-line choice that people are going to have to make this year. Yeah, uh, just to speak from uh, you know my perspective, what's going on right now is that one of the the best plans or one of the plans that employers are looking at from Blue Cross and Blue Shield is called Select Blue, uh, and what that is is different because it's a three tier plan. So normally you have in network and out of network, but now they have Select in network and out of network. So uh, can you afford to see your doctor now? Uh, with the Blue Cross these plans, uh, it makes sense, total sense for the employer. To, to purchase these plans rather than the, the two uh, the two network uh, options because because of cost uh, but that 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 second tier the higher tier which is the Creighton uh, Allegiant the CHI uh, network um, is at a higher cost and so yeah you can keep your doctor right but you're gonna you're gonna pay a little bit more and carriers are having to do this because it's really one of the only ways that they have uh, to, to cut costs is by uh, actually reducing the the payments to doctors uh, because they're not able to do it a, a lot on underwriting and, and things like that. So, um, you know, can, if, if you want to keep your doctor, it's really important to, uh, on the individual market, pay a really close close attention to what plan that you're getting because the plans are, are really small. Um, and, and the time may be coming here soon where, you're, you know, employers are going to have to, for, for the good of everyone, kind of reduce uh, the, the network that's available to their employees, and especially cost-conscious employers, 
Um, and I'm, I'm sure we'll get more into that uh, later. But uh, employers can really uh, save some money by, by, by helping, helping employees choose uh, quality providers that both uh, provide quality service but at a reasonable rate. And there's, there's a lot moving on that. Um, but but this, is, this is one of the big ones. Right, right. Stuart, uh, anything let else? Me, yeah, let me, let me jump in on that point. I think we need to talk here generically and not, uh, you know, company-specific that there are going to be choices. I know that, that we've talked about the individual market and the group market. Uh, I'm talking generically here in terms of the group marketplace, whether that's small or large. Uh, and I think employers are going to have to look at other options, which is, uh, do I look at uh, you know the carrier marketplace uh, in, in the state uh, exchanges, or do I look in the open marketplace, the non-Obamacare marketplace, and see what's out there. There may be some other choices out there which gives uh, other options to employers, which are Taft-Hartley plans. And so the narrow choices we're talking about here may suddenly open the envelope, if you would, uh, to the ability to, to choose different types of plans, different types of deductibles and coinsurance, and also different types of network. Uh, we shouldn't be blindsided by the blues alone. There are other carriers and and providers out there uh, that an open-minded employer should look at for what's best for their employees long-term. That's the only thing I would add to what we just said. Sure, sure. And, and we're going to be getting into some more strategies as well coming up here, uh, glancing ahead here and the back end of America's Healthcare Challenge. Uh, we're going to be looking at shifting to high-deductible health plans and funding accounts, uh, whether or not that's worth it. That's a lot of that happening in the industry and some more on uh, great things like reference brace pricing and more from our fabulous contributors Stuart Sonnen, president of SIG Consulting and Brian Munderlow, employee benefit consultant at Garvey and Associate. I am Sean McGuire uh, with Edie Bellis who is the uh, program sponsor. Check out healthreformexplained.com which is the show blog uh, which will have all of this information and more including uh, my thoughts uh, on all of the things we're talking about. We'll be back right after this. Laura Ingram, weekday mornings 8 to 11 on News Talk 1290. Omaha Radio since 1925. They say every business should have an elevator pitch. Here's ours. We are Edie Bellis, a consulting company specializing in healthcare reform, helping businesses navigate the new law. For more, go to healthreformexplained.com. Are you feeling overwhelmed, depressed, or angry? Is your child or teenager acting out? Healing Tree Counseling wants to help. Located at 10th and Dodge, Healing Tree offers individual, family, and couples therapy. Bill and Laura are exceptional at working with children and adolescents. Ask around. They have a great reputation. Healing Tree accepts most insurance companies. They offer flexible payment plans and are confidential. Their personalized service and unique office sets them apart from larger agencies. Visit HealingTreeOmaha.com for more information. Not only are we going to New Hampshire, we're going to South Carolina and Oklahoma and Arizona and North Dakota and New Mexico. We're going to California and Texas and New York. We're going to South Dakota and Oregon and Washington and Michigan. And then we're going to Washington, D.C. to take back the White House. You want me on that wall. You need me on that wall. You are listening to America's Healthcare Challenge with Sean McGuire. 
Join the conversation at 402-342-1290 or at 800-577-1290. Once again, direct from the American heartland, here's your host, Sean McGuire. Welcome back to America's Healthcare Challenge, trying to help you solve some of these difficult problems. Uh, that your organization or you personally uh, with you and your family uh, might be facing uh, as we uh, go through some of these difficult changes coming from a, a very, very volatile, I've said that word now twice, but I'm um, just trying to to, to to set the stage for, for what uh, it's saying because I think both of the, both uh, Brian and Stuart would agree that uh, 2017 is going to be a difficult year uh, for American healthcare consumers. And so I wanted to take uh, a t- some time this segment, guys, to um, – uh, look at a couple of strategies, and, and we're going to look at uh, four and six of our list, and I think I want to save uh, that number five item for uh, the next segment. Uh, but uh, shifting to high-deductible plans and funding accounts, um, we've seen this happen a lot in the industry. Uh, is it worth it, uh, and how is it helpful to someone long-term? Um, I guess I'd start off here in saying a person's got to look at what they do in their in their personal life right now, and and probably the simplest thing that I always have people turn to is, what are you doing with your auto insurance and your homeowners? And the question is, do you have first dollar coverage? Do you have a fifty or hundred dollar deductible in today's marketplace? Most people across the United States would answer that question. No, they have much higher deductibles, and when they're questioned. Uh, people will come back and they will say what's on their mind, which is, I did that to save the difference in premium. And so we now turn that to the health insurance industry. We know that even before uh, the ACA, uh, premiums were going up quite substantially, double digits most years. And we're we're getting ready for another double-digit trend uh, coming upon us in 2017. So I guess the answer, Sean, would be the shifting to high-deductible health plans uh, is an intelligent strategy uh, because, again, it, it gets away from first-dollar coverage, which is extremely expensive today. Most people cannot afford that. There are other ways to help them to offset that, which are funding accounts. And funding accounts have been with us since the 1980s. Uh, I'm talking about... Uh, health savings accounts, uh, flexible spending accounts, uh, health reimbursement accounts, uh, and and an area that most people are not familiar with, which is Section 162, which has been around in the IRS code since 1954. All of those tools would allow the employees from within a group uh, venue or even an individual venue to take care of their out-of-pocket expenses. And that's the reason why there's going to be tremendous shifting from more uh, individuals and employers across the country this year, looking at what their rate increases are going to be for 2017. Yeah, I I remember, I, I don't remember the first year, but I, I remember uh, getting into the industry and learning about high deductible plans. And at that time, the high, de- the high deductible that they were talking about was $1,250, you know, $1,250, which we look at that now and we think, wow, I'd, I'd, I'd take that. Uh, but uh, these high deductible plans uh, were given the, the tax break of this funding account uh, because what the government was trying to do, and they were decently successful at it, is to expose customers to the actual costs of their care rather than having that first dollar care. And the thought was, if people were aware of what they were spending, 
uh, and and it was actually their their dollars coming out of it that they would spend it more wisely. Um, and and it did help. It did uh, help. You know, years back, you could save a lot of money on a group plan by going to the high deductible plan. Now everything's kind of high deductible, but you still have that first dollar coverage uh, as far as doctor visits, uh, drug cards, and things like that. And so uh, a high deductible plan is an awesome idea to have available to employees or even uh, have a couple different high deductible plans, uh, you know, for, for your employees to, to, to choose as an option. They work well with the telemedicine that we already talked about because you can combine telemedicine in with a high deductible plan without disqualifying it. Uh, and employers uh, have uh, have an option if they do have a high deductible plan is they could contribute into that account to help employees when they do face you know a, a problem and that money is uh, is is vested for, you know for for the employee to use and it they don't lose it it's not use it or lose it uh, they can uh, continue to build that up um, and use that account for many different things actually there's a whole other conversation that we could have in regards to the the advantages of of having a, a tax favored a high deductible uh, account, uh, so that there's there's a lot there's a lot to it. Um, uh, long term, I think um, a, a lot of uh, employees uh, would see a high deductible plan as the way to go. Uh, there's a lot of people who don't see the doctor often. This these plans are made for them uh, to, to help reduce their fixed costs and premium. Uh, you can accept a little bit more risk, and also um, talking to empo- employees and looking into. Uh, the, the tax advantages and the savings account that's built in. Those are just a few uh, aspects of these high deductible plans um, that, 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 that we could talk about, but those are some of the ones that, uh, that stick out to me. You know, one thing I'd like to add is um, on uh, presidential candidate um, Ben Carson uh, proposing health savings accounts for individuals since birth and allowing those to build up over time. I think that was an interesting uh, point that that could uh, could bring a lot of value to the conversation if you think about uh, you know setting your children up uh, while they're young and healthy and contributing little amounts and letting that grow. Uh, Stuart, do you have any other thoughts on on funding uh, yes, strategies? I because I know we could probably spend a whole program uh, on this, but uh, this is something that's uh, really important for employers to consider. Well, to pick up from what Brian uh, you know had just said uh, a little while ago. Uh, there's another vehicle that's out there, and it could be used as an employer uh, paid for or a voluntary benefits uh, type of program, which is a GAP plan. And the purpose of the GAP plan and why it's working beautifully with the employer and or an individual is that whatever the out-of-pocket expense is, the GAP plan is designed to take care of that first-dollar liability exposure that an employee may be afraid of. Getting back to the various types, there is less health savings accounts uh, being established, uh, you know, right now, and there's limitations on flexible spending accounts, not so much uh, because of the use it or lose it, but because of the dollar limitation the IRS has, has put on there together with the ACA, so that there's a movement in the employer space for health reimbursement accounts. The main reason for that is employers have realized that together with offering the high-deductible health plan, the monies that they're providing on a year-to-year basis, if an employee leaves, they're not taking that money with them. That stays with the employer, whereas a health savings account, that money is owned by the employee if they should leave. So, you know, uh, you have to look at what an employer's budget is and which one of these vehicles makes sense to put it together with the medical plan that's being offered to the employees. 
Yeah, one other one other thing, Sean, that I'd like to add as far as far as a small employer who's who's uh, kind of trapped in the uh, community rated market, having uh, purchasing the highest deductible plan that's available to you, uh, and and backfilling that with a gap plan like Stuart was talking about, or with an HRA, uh, or or with an uh, HSA, um, it's kind of the 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 only way a really small employer can kind of get into uh, self self insurance. Or being able to uh, to lower your cost based on your demographics. So if you have a lot of young uh, employees, you know you can purchase that uh, that high deductible plan from the carrier and 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 do backfill that with a with a gap plan or whatever whatever it takes on the voluntary or employer paid marketplace to give employees the ability to kind of customize their risk management on how they're going to take care of that that high deductible, which is you know next year is going to be. Uh, well over sixty, it's going to be over six thousand dollars, almost approaching seven thousand dollars, and and uh, there's there's employees that that they're they're going to meet that, uh, so that they need some help, they need some other things to 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 come in on that. But uh, the point being, uh, these high deductible plans for a small employer are a way that the employer can reduce their premium outlay on the plans and then backfill it based on what their employees purchase on the individual market or even backfilling it themselves as the employer to help uh, when an unevent, you know, unexpected event happens to their employee. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Any other thoughts on this? Uh, we're back up against a timeout, Stuart. You got, we got about 30 seconds, so if you wanted to to sound off on that because I want to save uh, save a whole segment for this reference brace price. Yeah, topic. no, I'm, I'm, I'm not that quick. The only thing I would say is it's all a matter of employer budget and employee budget. So whatever is offered in the employer space, uh, there is room for either gap plans and or any of these funding accounts we've just talked about. And in the individual marketplace, the same thing. Right, right. Okay. Coming up next, uh, we're going to be getting into reference-based pricing. This is going to be a a really exciting and important topic uh, you're not going to want to miss. 402-342-1290 is the number. 402-342-1290. If you'd like to chime in uh, quickly, uh, but we'll be right back after this. Omaha's Talk Alternative, Matt Tompkins. Weekdays, 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. on News Talk 1290. Edie Bellis is a healthcare reform consulting company with valuable information that is up to date and easy to understand. We have solutions to manage compliance, minimize penalties and taxes, and all other options. Check out healthreformexplained.com. Research shows moving is one of the most stressful events in a person's life. But thanks to two men in a truck, it doesn't have to be. They have everything you need to move. A courteous professional staff who will customize your move, which includes a no-obligation estimate, a schedule to fit your convenience, and all the necessary packing supplies. And two men in a truck will help you watch your budget, too. Don't stress. Let two men in a truck handle your home or business move. Go to twomenandatruck.com. Two men in a truck selected Best of Omaha for nine years straight with an A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau. are listening to America's Healthcare Challenge with Sean McGuire. Join the conversation at 402-342-1290 or at 800-577-1290. Once again, direct from the American heartland, here's your host, Sean McGuire. Welcome back to America's Healthcare Challenge. We're powering through a lot of really useful information here today on the program on our on our theme of today and selecting uh, benefit plan choices for 2017. 
Uh, here is uh, some of the things that we've already been talking about. We've talked about wellness and telemedicine uh, as important strategies. We just spent the last segment talking about this shift in high deductible health plans and uh, what's happening and some strategies to, to um, complement those moves. And uh, next up is reference-based reference pricing, Stuart. Um, what is it, and uh, how will this help me in my medical plan choice in the future? Okay. Um, most employers are still using the old traditional cost-shifting approach, you know, to offset the cost that they're seeing for all these, uh, you know, these different um, uh, claims that are coming in for their employees. 52% of employers that currently use the same strategy, but employers are, are considering new tactics uh, to, uh, you know, how to mitigate this. And they're adapting a, a practice called reference-based pricing. What this is, it sets a cap on the maximum amount that they will cover for certain medical uh, services that have wide cost variations. For example, uh, knee and hip replacement surgery. I mean, the costs are all over the block, all over the United States, depending upon, uh, you know, where you go. And um, so employees need a way to comparison shop for the best price uh, you know, for the procedures that they that they want that are non, uh, you know, serious uh, emergency procedures, and this is reference-based pricing, and you know, it's it's where to go for, you know, quality uh, quality care, low cost but at high quality, and there are enough transparency sites that are available on the web that employers can use and we use uh, in our work in terms of providing this reference-based pricing mechanism so that employees, in as part of their plan, have places to go to look up uh, you know, different procedures they may be interested in uh, to see where they might want to go, uh, including the centers of excellence. Yeah, I'll, I'll add just a little bit of background from my perspective, too, on, on reference-based pricing. So what, the, what they're referencing... Uh, is the Medicare reimbursement rate for a procedure. And you'd consider that as 100% is what Medicare pays for a procedure. And to, to that's one reference that you can use, and it's used commonly uh, in the industry. So uh, what, what you can do, or what some uh, insurance carriers are doing, is saying uh, rather than pay Mr. Provider, rather than even having a, maybe even a network, they just say, well, we are going to pay uh, X percentage above what Medicare pays. So we're going to pay 175%, uh, which would be really good, or 200%. Uh, it's in the market right now, as far as the, the group payers, uh, there is a lot of cost shifting from Medicare to the group uh, market. So the group market can pay maybe 300% of what, uh, what the Medicare reimbursement would be. So uh, and, and Stuart's right on is, is that if you are going to if you're going to have some a reference based pricing, it's important to give employees the tools that they need to choose uh, a, a provider that can provide a service at uh, a lower rate. Because if the employer or the plan says we're only going to pay uh, X number uh, and the provider doesn't agree to that number, in some cases uh, there is an opportunity where the the employee themselves can be balance billed. Uh, for that. And so there's so much going on here. It's such a powerful tool. Uh, and it, like I said, we could, I think we could talk all, all day uh, about it. Um, but this is, this is what employers care about. And I was speaking with an employer and you're, you're trying to, you know, help them choose a health plan uh, or, and they're, they're talking about cost. They're like, you know, when I want, when I want to 
of bed, when I go to bed, I say up front, Mr., you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to build this roof for you. It's going to cost X amount of dollars. And I give that bid, and I know I have to have a quality bid, and other people bid too, and everyone knows what the cost is going to be, at least expected going forward, and then I can choose or my client can choose uh, if they want to do business with me or not. But what's the one thing in our life that we, we say, okay, just build the roof and just charge me whatever you, you, you think it's worth after you're done? Well, health care is the only thing that we do that with. It's the only thing where there, there, there hasn't been transparency uh, in the past. And there are uh, sites, there are tools, there are uh, plans, um, there are you know uh, third-party administrators. There's lots of different tools that you can do to get some sort of clarification, to get some sort of uh, eye into these these costs. And reference-based pricing, to me, it appeals to these employers because it really cuts off all the junk off the health plan. It cuts off uh, anything that could be built in. It just says, here's what I'm willing to pay. Uh, and, and it's a way to, to bring costs down. And uh, it's important uh, to think about uh, having quality providers as well uh, within that uh, and uh, working with someone who can make sure that they have the tools so that you're not just choosing the lowest cost. And you're not, by the way. Uh, if you look at the statistics on all these sites that, that help you choose the right plan, the quality doctor is not the most expensive doctor uh, in most cases. A quality doctor is someone who's specialized and he does this day in and day out and, and knows what they're doing and has the right outcomes. And so when you focus on uh, quality of care, it, the quality and the cost, they're not mutually exclusive. Uh, what, what, what is important is the clarity and being able to see what the cost and what the quality is before you make the purchase. I think it's important to the listeners, Sean, that, <clears throat> that everyone understands that this concept of reference-based pricing, although some of the folks may be hearing this for the first time, this came uh, out of a paper that was delivered by Dr. Regina Herzlinger from the Harvard School of Medicine, and this was in the 1990s. So this has been around since the 1990s, and her whole concept, which is what started the whole concept of, of medical savings accounts in the late 19, uh, 1990s, was that the patient had skin in the game. And in order to do that, you have to provide the tools, you know, which is some of the comments that Brian was just making. i just clarify one thing. In the marketplace right now, <clears throat> the, Medicare, uh, the Medicare allowable charges around the United States right now is X. <clears throat> but on a PPO equivalent, uh, the highest I've seen is Cigna, is 160% of Medicare allowable. And so if there's some comparables here, uh, Brian is right in terms of using <clears throat> Medicare uh, as a payer, as a ballpark for the payment of these things that, that consumers are searching for. Uh, but again, it's, it's Medicare up to Medicare allowable up to 160% of that scale uh, by, <clears throat> by Cigna, which is the highest PPO payer in the United States, period. Right, right. Great point. Hey, we're about uh, two minutes away from uh, the end of the program, so let's do our two-minute warning here. But, um, Stuart, did you have any final thoughts uh, here for the audience? Uh, we were going to try and uh, let them know that this is a, this is going to be an ongoing uh, series that we're going to be providing over time here to get you uh, as a listener through uh, this uh, r rough, uh, rough and upcoming open enrollment period. Uh, any final thoughts? Yeah, <clears throat> the last thing where we were going to hit were HMOs, uh, you know, PPOs, EPOs. 
<clears throat> the final comment, <clears throat> excuse me, coming from me would be take a look at the plans that are being offered. Uh, take a look at your appetite for risk, for how much health care you really need. Uh, you may look to finding that the lowest monthly cost uh, known you know, as the premium is from an HMO. You may find that the lowest deductible uh, that you have to pay starts at the EPO end and that PPOs for people who need continuous care with a, with a regular doctor uh, is possibly the way to go for the majority of folks that are out there. So take a look at the plan, <clears throat> determine what you're being asked to pay for, seeing what other tools the employer provides, and see what voluntary benefits can really close the gap in terms of your out-of-pocket expenses. It's a year to be very, very careful in your selection of choices. Well said, Stuart. Thanks so much for being here on the program. Uh, Stuart Sloan, president of SIG Consulting. Uh, Brian, uh, any final thoughts here? Uh, my, the one thought I was thinking is it, it pays to call around sometimes, you know, and whether or not you're dealing with uh, a certain service or, or, or medication or whatnot, uh, you know, it's, it's okay to, to, to call around and find the best deal possible. And, uh, and it, they, you, you really have to dig into it. And so uh, do the same with your plan uh, for insurance in 2017. That's right. Well, and for help shopping around for all of these things, uh, Edie Bellis can help you with that. EdieBellisinc.com is the website. Uh, and get in touch with me. Uh, thanks so much for taking the time to listen to the program. I'm really excited about uh what we've got lined up for you here coming into through the rest of the fall. Uh, it's going to be some great information. So make sure to check out healthreformexplained.com this week uh, as we get a recap from this show and other commentary about these important topics that, that we talked about that really will affect your business. Until next time, I'm Sean McGuire, and I'll see you next week. <laughs>